Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Double DM Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Emil. I am here with my co-host Niels. Hi there. And today we are here to discuss how important the history of your homebrew world or the world you are using for your campaigns is actually to the campaigns how much you should prep about history, how much lore you should have, or if there is even something as too much lore. But before we get into that, we are here to talk about what happened in our personal lives, TTRPG sessions, and stuff like that. So, Niels, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. The weather outside is amazing. A bit cold, but sun is out shining. So yeah, and I'm looking forward to my TTRPG session today. So everything's nice. Mm -hmm. How about you? I'm doing great. It's been a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for the summer. I, I, I just, it's, it's so nice just to see the sun out again and not just being this gray mass over your head all the time. It really does lift the spirits. Promising to be a good day that I will probably spend inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, but it doesn't look so gray anymore. That's yeah, a plus. it does. Yeah, but why are you spending your day inside? Um, because I have no reason to go outside. Well, that I have. I, I am going outside today. That's not the way it is, but I'm going outside to go to somewhere <laughs> where I can be inside. <laughs> the problem is just that there isn't a tunnel built from my place to the <laughs> cinema yet. <laughs> Uh, what, what movie are you watching? I am watching John Wick 4. Ooh, I heard great things about it. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be a great movie. A little bit long for my taste. I don't like movies that go over like two and a half hours ever, actually. How, how long is it? Three hours. Day oh, damn. Which is like 30 minutes longer than the last one. Mm -hmm. An hour longer than the first one. And roughly 40 minutes longer than the second one. Okay, yeah, that, that that's a long movie. It's a lot. It's a long movie. So it's going to basically be me going after this recording, going to the cinema, staying in there, <laughs> and then coming back home at like 5 to 5 and a half p.m., something like that. Yeah, but it's it's a good way to spend your day. And after that, um, I am making food and then probably will send out uh, even more resumes and more CVs and whatever. What the fuck? Uh, it's tiring. Yeah, yeah, it truly is. Anyway. Anyways. Two TTRPG stuff. Yeah. One special thing that happened this week. Niels. How did you enjoy the D&D movie? I really liked it. Uh, I enjoyed the humor. It was a good mixture between humor and action to my taste. And mm -hmm. it really just was the humor I usually like and enjoy in my TTRPG games as well. So overall, a really, really good enjoyment, at least mm -hmm. for me. How about mm -hmm. you? Yeah, it, it was a great ride through basically fan service mania for D&D fans. Yeah. I'm going to say it like that. And that's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. Fan service is not something that is bad. It's you give the people what they want. Mm -hmm. Or at least what you think that they want when you're creating something before you can actually show it to people. But if you think that people want to see this kind of movie, which they did apparently because it did very well on opening weekend, at least it smashed its expectations. Mm -hmm. um, I think it made like roughly 50% of its budget Damn, okay. Um, on opening weekend. But I think the D&D movie doesn't necessarily have that big of a fan base. Mm. There aren't a lot of people that... It's not like Marvel or DC or Star Wars or whatever the fuck else. It's yeah. not a big franchise 
for movies. Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest, probably there were a few people that were very skeptical to go into this movie. Those that are D&D people probably went to the movie. But a lot of normal moviegoers that only know D&D through Stranger Things and maybe have heard of Critical Role, they don't necessarily know what a D&D movie is supposed to be. Yeah. And they might be skeptical to go, especially when it is competing with John Wick, Ma the Mario movie. Mm -hmm. It is competing with a lot of bigger franchises. Mm -hmm. And it's still holding its ground, but it's a really enjoyable ride. It really is. If you're a D&D &D fan and you have friends that don't know D&D, &D, but you love to go to the movies with them, take them to this movie. Seriously. Yeah. And I think you can enjoy it without even being a D&D &D fan because it's just, it's just a fun movie to watch. It's an enjoyable ride. The thing is, it is not just a generic fantasy movie because it does, in my opinion, a lot of things differently from normal fantasy movies. Mm -hmm. And it's a great movie. They, really they made is. a lot of good, bold choices for this movie. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, most of them worked. Yeah. What I, what I find funny, though, is all the articles you see online, the D&D &D directors broke a few rules of D&D &D to make the movie work. And I'm like, you don't say. They didn't respect the turn order in combat. They didn't wait for each of every single one of them to attack. Like, I mean, it's it's probably just a clickbait headline. Yeah. Um, because the article itself wasn't that bad because they really talked about what stuff, how the game connects to the movie and how the game laid out a bit about the movie, and which is great. It's It, it feels so weird because I don't know, everyone who went into... I, I've heard from a few people that they uh, are expecting this movie to be a lot like D&D. &D. And I'm like, that's just not gonna work. D&D yeah. &D as a game is not a narrative-focused game. We all make it narrative-focused. We add our narratives. But D&D &D itself doesn't have a narrative focus. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad thing. Anyone who thinks that, that, that this is an insult to the game or the way they play it isn't it just means that you have to add the narrative yourself and a movie tells a narrative mm -hmm. they just put D&D in front of it so they could use a mimic so they could use some Tum whatever his name is mm -hmm. I can't pronounce the name or that they can do owl bears or uh, th that type of stuff mm -hmm. that's why the D&D movie is in front of it and also obviously to, to make money for Wizards of the Coast and get new people into the hobby but the movie itself is not a D&D &D game. And that's, yeah. and that's exactly the right decision. Mm. I would have hated a movie that is explicitly played like a D&D &D session. Because yeah. that is not a good entertainment for two hours. Condensed in a movie. But the movie felt like a good big campaign where the highlights of that campaign were shown. Although what I uh, really liked uh, as well is that uh, at some scenes I could picture those happening at the table as is. Like the talking to the dead person in the trailer scene. Yeah, but 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 that's but that's the thing, right? That's exactly what I mean. The game itself just says five questions. Exactly, but I can see how the uh, exactly the like it played out in the movie. Something like this happening at my table. Yeah, but that's the thing. That is only there because the narrative is made by your table. Exactly. Like the the thing is that that this is this scene itself is not D and D. It is what D and D tables feel like, yeah. and that's a difference. But they exactly. can't call it the Dungeons and Dragons home game, the movie Honor Among Thieves, because no one would watch that. Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe I'm a little bit frightened. You can't say frightened, but I think I will have a problem when this movie brings in a lot of new people into the game and they start playing the game, and it's not even remotely what the movie conveyed to them. 
Mm-hmm. Because the movie did not convey D&D as a game. Again, it, it conveyed every single feeling that gets hit on by most home game tables. Humor, one-liners, epic action, cinematic moments, heartfelt drama. But none of that is D&D at its yeah. core in the game. And that's all I want to say. Right? The, the, the movie had nothing to do with playing D&D. But mm-hmm. all the themes they hit on, all the comedy they had hit on, could have happened at a D&D table. Yeah. But yeah. But that's just the thing that I think the movie made me realize we need to really be better at distinguishing what the game itself does and what we as a home table want to have from the game and add to the specific game we're playing. Mm-hmm. Because that that those five questions that you get asked, the comedy in that scene only comes from your table. It doesn't come from the game because the game says nothing about that every single question that is asked, even if the question isn't directed at the undead, is going to be answered. Yeah. The undead only answers what they know. How would that undead know that there are five questions or four questions left? And that scene is in the trailer, so I can spoiler it. The undead doesn't know. Why would he answer? Like, the game itself says something different entirely already from that scene. But we all yeah. know that this way the, the scene is portrayed in the, portrayed in the movie and trailer is funnier that way. Hell yeah. Anyways, so t- uh, more TTRPG stuff. Do you have anything else to talk about? or Nope. I have nothing because my TTRPG sessions are all either cancelled or not happening for a few more days. All right, then I think we can dive into our episode, right? Then we will dive into our episode on history of on the, on the history of your homebrew world and how important it is to your campaigns. Hey listener, how are you enjoying the show so far? Tell us about it in whatever way you see fit. Go to our social media pages and add us or DM us about your favorite episode of the show. We would love to hear from you on what impact our show might have had on your home games. Or you could review us on your podcast app of choice and leave us a nice message with a five-star review. And if you want to go above and beyond, bring a friend into the fold. Tell them about our show and refer us to them so they can get a piece of the pie as well. Thank you for listening to Double DM and joining us on this incredible journey. Hey Niels. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I've recently had, recently is, is a little bit stretched a long time ago, had an mm-hmm. arc in one of my campaigns in my Phantoms of Chaos game, End. And I've talked about this arc quite a bit on this show. But this arc was about this lost civilization of snake people, of snake matriarchs and conquerors that has ruled this land before the civilizations my players are now part of came. Mm-hmm. The civilization, for some unknown reason, disappeared. And there are just a few remnants left. And through some means, one of these snake matriarchs was revived and came back. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to reclaim her homeland. This is her land. She has a claim to it. Yeah. Her means of doing that were to amass a lot of magical power, like the souls of her fellow snake matriarch sisters, and then with such a mass power, rule the land again. Okay. Okay, so that was the setup for this arc. She had the power to control ghosts, more or less, because these snake people lived on this earth before there was a concept of the afterlife in the grand cosmical scheme of it. 
Okay. So their souls didn't depart into the afterlife. They just clung to the most powerful matriarch in the area, which was always one of these four matriarchs that existed. Mm -hmm. When there was a new baby born, they put in the soul of that already died matriarch into the baby again. Mm -hmm. So the ones that lived had infinite life, but there were no, well, there were new souls added to the fold as well to increase the numbers. But generally, the most important people survived for millennia. Mm -hmm. So, okay. But that's not the point of this episode. The point of this episode is to talk about history. And this arc that I made, this arc that I played with my players, was only possible because I had this world history. There was Mm -hmm. this history. There was an ancient lost civilization long before that had these certain traits to them. They do not depart to the afterlife. For example, was one of the most important. That was the reason they were able to actually come back. I want to talk to you about history, especially homebrew world history. Because if you look at the Sword Coast, for example, for D&D, it has immense history because it's been with D&D for I don't know how long exactly, but right there's a Forgotten Realms wiki page. You, you can mm-hmm. look up so many different important NPCs, so many locations, so many little bits, bits of information. That's all history that you can use. But when you're creating your homebrew world, you have nothing of that because you're creating it from scratch. Yeah. So I want to ask you first and foremost this one question. How much history do you create before you go to planning your story. And I'm not talking about, uh, wait, I'm not talking about the history that is obviously created by playing. So for example, if you have one campaign in this in this world and then start a second campaign in that world, the first campaign, I don't talk about that. I'm really talking about what is there before you actually start playing. Mm-hmm. Usually I go with the thing like as little as possible, but as much as needed. Mm-hmm. It sounds vague and yes it is but i create as much as i have to to make the story work or the story that i planned work how uh, wherever the story is going to go i don't know but i will create that when we get to that yeah but in general i cr- uh, create the history that lets uh, allows me to set up the story that i had in mind in the first place mm-hmm. and to make that story arc make sense mm-hmm. and then yeah. evolve the history from that regarding mm-hmm. that Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. This is my usual way to go, mm-hmm. to just to think about what needed to happen for the uh, to, for the world to get to this point, mm-hmm. and then write down what happened to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And just asking, how much is that? Uh, c- can you give some kind of cornerstones of, if you had to put it into mathematical numbers or words, how much is that of history? How, how, much, or how much time do you spend on creating history? Is that even important in when you create your homebrew world? I don't think it is really important how much time you spend on it and, or how detailed you make it or just the way you present the history to your players. This is the way or this is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how you present it because if you have the basic cornerstones of the history you can fill in the rest in play if you want and if you yeah. feel comfortable enough to bullshit your way through his uh, through a history and law dump session you just need to have the cornerstones of or how it is right now mm-hmm. to make it work in general so i 
don't like putting a time requirement yeah. or a page requirement or word requirement on things mm -hmm. because this is completely up to you. It is based on how you feel and yeah. and how mm -hmm. you present the information and at which times and to which party members mm -hmm. and how much influence your party members or you, you want your players to have on the world. But I'm asking opinion, it should you, be a lot. I am asking you, you personally, when you mm -hmm. create a campaign, how much history do you create before play? I know I'm, I'm pressing on this issue, but I just want to if mm. there is something i just want to press further usually around one page of notes mm -hmm. of bullet points because i feel confident enough uh, in my mm -hmm. way to if i have these cornerstones to fill in the mm -hmm. gaps mm -hmm. on the fly so i just mm -hmm. make some bullet points mm -hmm. uh, roughly about one page mm -hmm. long something along those lines yeah rough bullet points and then fill in the rest during play Okay, you have this one page. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's what we will work with for the thought experiment I have. Okay. How much of that page, if you're... Uh, okay, quick intermission question. How long do your campaigns go, usually? Um, real lifetime or in-game time? In-game level. <laughs> in-game level? Like, like how far do the campaigns go? Usually, or my normal thing would be uh, between 10 and 12, 13 maybe. That's where they end? Or let's go with 10 to 15. Okay, so your campaigns go from roughly level 1 or very low level to, to very higher levels. Yes. So even not in D&D terms, right? Your campaigns go for some time. Mm -hmm. You really want that escalation from low level things to rather high level things. Yeah, that's, I, that's I what I'm asking, right? to feel the difference between their starting yeah. point yeah. and their ending point. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So you have that history right before you start the low level thing. How much of that one page do you think, on average or roughly, whatever you want to call it, is really important in the last session of your game? Like how much of that influences especially the ending of your campaign? Because I imagine it Im impacts the beginning more. Yeah, way more. But in the end, I try to go for about 40, 30 to 40 percent of that page mm -hmm. being still relevant. Okay. And regarding to the overall overarching story. So some of that history on that page is influencing the main storyline that your players are supposed to follow or are gonna follow. Exactly. Okay. So why do you write more? Why don't you yeah. delete everything else from that page? Um, because I want a more engaging beginning mm -hmm. and a more relatable beginning. Yeah. You could say. And something that is that feels logical. Mm -hmm. Because if I start a campaign with just the things that I need for the end, maybe, yeah. it just feels, or the quests that I give them, or the hints that I give out, just feel out of place. They just, they don't have a basis. They don't have a reason to be there, mm -hmm. necessarily, other than just mm -hmm. being, yeah, I need a level one quest. Yeah. But I want something, a, a reasoning behind mm -hmm. everything that is going on. And therefore, yeah. me personally, I like to write this history for that. And the reasoning behind the NPC asking the favors of the party. Mm -hmm. Why don't they do it themselves or ask someone else? That's something that I like for the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Walk me through that. You want to create your first level quest or your first quest for your players. And mm -hmm. you want to create a little bit of history for that. What do you create? Could be an example or it could be abstract, right? In, in, what you, in what levels you prep. But what is the history that you prepare for that would influence that first level quest in the beginning? Mm-hmm. I usually try to stick to the area or the history of the mm -hmm. localized area for now, because the grander scheme comes later. But um, a bit of the um, 
ruling system, you could say, mm-hmm. the um, rulers of the uh, of this part of the world, mm-hmm. because how they acted influences the people that live there now, and therefore I can better or it just helps mm-hmm. me to create more fitting NPCs in that situation. Yeah, because I know how the NPCs should act. Mm-hmm. Or and why they act that way. Because, for example, if my players go ar- uh, along and talk to one of the NPCs and they think this person is acting weird and ask mm-hmm. why they are acting like that. And then I have a reason for that, that I can give and that makes sense in a way. Just for them to feel more immersed or realistic mm-hmm. and relatable. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a reasoning why someone is acting the way they do, yeah. it just feels more natural. Because I think yeah. we can all get behind that. If you understand how why yeah. someone acts that way, you understand that they act that way. Motivation is important and motivation stems from the experiences you've had before the point where you're at right now, right? Exactly. For example, right, if your game starts in a broken down village, it's destroyed mm-hmm. or somewhat in ruins. The quest could be, for example, to help these people rebuild in some mm-hmm. way or shape or form, right? Could be clear out the forest or from the wolf pack that is roaming around because we can't gather wood right now. Mm-hmm. That's a good first quest. It's a, it's a very simple quest and it can lead to furthermore. Like, for example, these wolves aren't normal wolves or something, right? But that's besides the point. But the question is, why is this village broken down, right? This, this is an obvious first question the players are going to ask mm-hmm. if they don't have a reason for it, right? But when you say exactly. you travel through a region that has recently been hit by war or by very dangerous storms, then it makes more sense. And that's the cornerstone mm. that you just talked about, right? That's one of these exactly. cornerstones. And yeah. for example, when you talk about, okay, there was a recent war, then then there develops a second question. Why? Yeah. Why was there a war? That could be, that could be, that is more or less the same cornerstone, the war. That's one mm-hmm. of the cornerstones. There was a war. And then you can basically like a tree. You yes. have a root, cor- you, have, you have a cornerstone root. Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of how I, I develop some of my history. I have a cornerstone. That is a very abstract thing. War, yeah. trade unions, or, or anything really, right? Any, mm-hmm. any big thing. And then I draw out from that, from that single mm-hmm. thick root of, okay, then I can draw out why this is what happened. What impact did it have? What were the public opinions on it, right? These things can obviously be bullshit and improvised, but I can also write them down. But the important thing is that I have started with there was a war. Exactly. That I have started with the important route, the cornerstone. And with that one page that I have, I usually try to go for one to four cornerstones, cornerstone mm-hmm. Uh, bullet points where I can okay. work myself off of from. Are all of these four cornerstones then for the same thing? Like not necessarily. The thing is, you, you have your one page, right? And only thirty mm-hmm. to forty percent of it are relevant at the end anymore. Yeah, and the rest kind of has been either resolved and play or become irrelevant because it's not part of the location the players are in anymore because they've traveled or something. Mm-hmm. That's obviously reasons. But what I thought about is cornerstones that you create. Obviously, more more can impact a certain location the players are in right now. Yeah. Than more than just one. But yeah, question would be these cornerstones, how different from each other are they? How, how disconnected or how connected are they? If they are too connected, you could just say, I could put them into one cornerstone. And then mm-hmm. they wouldn't have two cornerstones. So I think that they should be more or less disconnected so mm-hmm. that there are a lot of different influences and not just one big influence, but more that, but like there's not just one big influence. There are four slightly smaller influences that lead to this because everything is more complex than just there's one reason for everything. There are very complex reasons for things. Mm-hmm. I, I try to make the cornerstones more or less 
um, related but still different from each other. Mm -hmm. That they are still impacting, maybe uh, one or two impacting the same region in maybe even similar ways, but for a different reason. Mm -hmm. So they are kind of connected, but not really. They impact the same people, but with uh, through different means and through different ends. And I think that that's something you should go for, that yeah. because it just feels connected. If someone mm -hmm. if someone lives in a certain area and different things just influence that area just by the uh, law of nature, basically, because if something happens, it influences something um, something else. It's just it just yeah. happens. If it's influencing the same area, it's influencing in a different way. But mm -hmm. if it's uh, influencing in the same way, you can put it in the same cornerstone, basically. But making them related to the area, for example, mm -hmm. but different in means. Therefore, you have more options to um, mm -hmm. detail the cornerstones themselves. Yeah, I think I think that's actually very interesting because, right, we talk about TTRPGs that a lot of the things we do, for example, don't necessarily matter and some mm. other things do, but those things that do stem from the things that we do that don't necessarily matter, right? Um, for example, the most most easy example of this that the, the, the most easy example of this that we've talked about so far on the show is that nothing matters until it hits the table and the players. It doesn't matter if there is a distant war on a different continent going on right now, as long as there aren't refugees coming in that the players can interact with. The exactly. war doesn't matter at all. But that's the thing. Um, that you shouldn't divide your cornerstones by, by the root of what happened, but rather by how they are impacting the places where your characters currently are or the places you're planning on having be the stage for the adventure. Mm -hmm. Because that's way more important than what the event actually is. Yeah. Are the people in this region broody? gloomy is there some kind of great depression going around it's way mm. more important than there was a recent war and now people don't have enough money because that's the explanation for the great depression that is currently going around but the mm -hmm. great depression itself is more important for the players because it means that the npcs they interact with will be sad maybe angered frustrated confused, scared. Exactly. And that's way more important. Yeah, you could say basically that the history doesn't matter at all as long as you have a reason why the people act the way they act. That's actually exactly what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to say history doesn't matter, but I want to say that the implications of your history matter more exactly. than the exactly. history itself. Mm -hmm. Because that's what that's what shows in play, and that's what we want to focus on, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want our world to be great. We want the play in that world to be great. That's an exactly. extra step. We. It doesn't matter if you have the best world history that has ever been written or has ever been put into someone's head. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't have an influence on how the play evolves that you're exactly. having with your players. And that's the thing. We've just talked about, right, that developing this history for TTRPGs, once again, like it does for everything, can be done in a different way than it's normally done. I don't necessarily know if that way is better, but that's on you to decide out there. But why not decide the implications first? I want in this region, I want everyone to be dark and gloomy. That's your cornerstone. Not that there's a Great Depression going around. There's a Great Depression going around. That's your cornerstone. Not mm -hmm. that there was a recent war. That's the yeah. implication of that cornerstone. Because that cornerstone, the cornerstone, there's a Great Depression going around, dictates way more than there was a recent war. Yeah, and I think you can go both ways when you... Yeah, it's just something of personal preference. If you like to keep your mind open to inspiration, you should start mm. with the beginning. It sounds weird, but if you start at the beginning, you have 
have more options to go off of. If you have inspiration coming in from yeah. different th sites yeah. and you start with a major historical event, then the implications of that can be led by your inspiration to other yeah. different means. When you have this major historical event, there's a war. Just that there's a war can lead into a lot of different directions and you can exactly. mold that event into whatever you want it to be for your game. Exactly. You, could, you don't have to be in a village that has been destroyed by the war. You could also be in a city that has just that is that is the capital city of the country that won the war. They yeah. aren't sad necessarily. They can also be happy. They could be celebrating, mm -hmm. right? But the cornerstone stays the same. Yeah, and you can mold the implications the way you want. The other way around, you start with the implications and mold the history to match the implications that you exactly. want. Because you decide that for this arc to work, I need to have a very dark, I need to have a very dark feeling to the area my players are currently in. What do I need for that? Yeah, it's but, just a different type yeah. of process. Yeah. And different things that you need to think about. At the end, you will reach the same goal. Mm -hmm. Your play will be influenced by the history or by the exactly. vibe of the place, by, by how this location evolved. But the way you get there is up to you. And it depends mm -hmm. entirely on what you want to do. It's not what you think is more important, the history or the vibe entirely, because both is the same for play. Because mm -hmm. history just implies vibe and vibe just tells you about history exactly so it, it doesn't necessarily is it, there is no difference it's just the way you want to start mm -hmm. but i think that there's still some merit to thinking about where you want to start because mm -hmm. i think putting your effort where you think it is better put is gonna result in for you for example less prep time yeah. a more easy way of improvising as well right maybe you're the one that improvises well if you have some cornerstone events there was a war. There was a recent resurgence of... Uh, there, there was a recent law that forbids magic or something. Mm. Or you one that works better with... Or you are a person that works better with a vibe set for a certain region and improvises from there. Mm. It's just how you want to run the game. It's make that conscious effort once again, right? Make the conscious decision. Is it even important that, that, that I know what happened here? Or is it just important that I know how it impacts it right now? Exactly. And depending on your answer to that question, you decide what you actually prep before you prep, because otherwise you could be wasting your prep time. And let's exactly. just face it, in, in today's world, time is money. And yeah. if you prep less for your TGRPGs, I think that's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. And you can prep less with the right cautious effort. And that's why we're here. Yeah. yeah. And I think especially if you're a beginning world builder or GM or whatever, oh, yeah. um, you will take or you will take much longer than an experienced one. But and you will just... prep so much stuff that is so useless as well. And you will exactly. realize it is useless. Exactly. Exactly, but we can't or any experienced person can't tell you what is useless and what isn't. It's something that has to come from your own experience. Yeah. It has to come from your from your own history, mm -hmm. basically. Your experiences shape the way you prep or world yeah. build yourself. Yeah. yeah. Just it, as the world is built by the historical events that happened. Right. For example, I, I made a I made a country for my uh, homebrew world that is basically the center country that my players are gonna frequent to. They will always come back to it. They will always start from it for their adventures or more or less. And I plan that they will meet the queen at some point because that's fun, mm -hmm. right? Meeting nobles and royals and, and basically getting recognition from the country's leader is cool. Yeah. And for that queen, I've written quite some backstory. For example, I've written that she is uh, this type of queen. She does this and this, and this is what she focuses on. This is what she honors. This is what she values. This is what she hates and stuff like that. And reasons for that, but simple reasons like bullet points. Okay, cool. That is something that I think that I can use at some point. 
Mm-hmm. Because, right? Okay, she likes people that are honorable. She likes people that are honest with her. Cool, perfect. We have a paladin in the party. That's exactly that. She will like the paladin. Good. But then I also, for example, for whatever reason, wrote where she comes from, mm-hmm. where she lived, who her parents were. Completely irrelevant information. Exactly. To this day, after I've written it and let it sit for like two weeks, I still don't know why I've spent time on it. Sure, I was in a writing flow and I just wrote. And at that time, it might have been valuable just because I could continue my writing flow and I felt good about my creative writing. And that's value enough. But from a world building game mastering perspective, the information is completely useless. Mm-hmm. With Why Your World Matters, we are doing the sec- exact same thing. If you haven't checked out Why Your World Matters, by the way, check it out. Cool fucking panels we are doing. But it's completely okay to do something that's completely valueless, uh, useless for your mm-hmm. TTRPG games, but still has some personal value to you or some creative value to you. Exactly. But just realize that sometimes your efforts are better spent creating something different than the entire family tree of this nobleman that the players are going to meet because that family tree is probably not going to be that important. Mm-hmm. And don't create it and then force it to be important because that's way worse. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to create it, that's fine. And I encourage you to do it if you want to. But just because you created it, you need to realize that sometimes the things you created are not gonna matter. Exactly. And then you just need to focus your efforts on creating something that does matter. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's hard because it's because it only becomes relevant in the session, in the moment, and you have to improvise it. And having those cornerstones mm-hmm. helps you in improvising that. Exactly. And that, that's why I try to, or one reason why I try to prep as, as little history as possible. Yeah. Just so I can have some wiggle room for myself. Mm-hmm. That's something else to consider. Yeah. If you, um, for example, if something the players did during play shapes the way or just interact with a certain people or a mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. countryside or whatever in a certain way if and if i d- it didn't have anything for that countryside beforehand mm-hmm. i can just bullshit something right in the moment that fits or it exactly doesn't fit just to make it mm-hmm. interesting so i can have wiggle room in play yeah and another reason why i don't like to prep too much history is for my players to have some wiggle room as well oh yeah for if sure if i love that if my gm just says hey you uh, when you create your characters go ahead and do whatever the fuck you want i just have these for example three things that are set in stone mm-hmm. for example in my world you can't play any draconic race because the dragon race has been sealed away yeah. they couldn't be banished or destroyed they were just sealed away same for in me. a war between dragons gods and uh, and mankind it's same for me right for me you're not allowed to play UNT because the snake matriarchs are extinct. There are no kin anymore. And Warforged haven't been invented yet. Exactly. Same in my world, actually. (laughs) Yeah. But just these uh, are the cornerstones. Like there was a war between gods, dragons, and mankind. Mm -hmm. You can't play any draconic race because the dragons lost. These are the country names. Go ahead. Yeah. The rest is completely up to them because then. They have the uh, the wiggle room to create the characters that they want. Yeah, exactly. And give you free world building. Exactly. You don't have to do anything and if your players can create the things that they want because they so will create more. Yeah, that, that's the important bit, right? Mm-hmm. When you create your world history, ask your players. I know we say this mm-hmm. all the time, right? Ask, right? It's a conversation. TTRPGs are a conversation. But if you're creating history for a world, talk to the players. Because mm-hmm. when f- one of them says, I want to play a paladin, ask them, okay, 
What does that mean? Because everything in that single sentence, I want to play a paladin, there's a lot of information that you can then draw out with your player. For example, right, it's the thing that we, we recently played Dungeon World together mm -hmm. and we created characters at the table for the session and then played the session. So I didn't know your characters beforehand and I didn't know the adventure before. And I, we, we talked about that there was an empire approaching and threatening the place where you're currently living. Good. That's what that was all. And then you, for example, said, OK, I want to play a paladin. I was like, OK, what kind of paladin? What are the tenants he lives by? Mm -hmm. What does he do? How, how is his fighting style? And then we developed that he's part of a religious order that helps the weak, that protects um, the poor or something, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Now I have a religious order. I didn't have that before. Exactly. And now I can imbue that in. Religious order might become a cornerstone or will be part of a cornerstone. For example, mm -hmm. if my uh, campaign, uh, if three of the people in my campaign say that they want to be part of some kind of faction, I want to be part of a thief's organization. I want to be part of a religious order. And I want to be part of a secret mage cult, something. Mm -hmm. Those are three factions that do not necessarily have a claim to land, for example. They are part mm -hmm. of an order, but not necessarily rulers of a country. Exactly. And now I think about, okay, I have three different organizations. And the fourth player is part of the country, is, is basically a town's guard of the country that they are, that we are currently in. Cool. Mm -hmm. So why don't my, why doesn't my campaign basically focus on those factions in this country? And how mm -hmm. those factions are fighting for power. Exactly. And then I can make up history for these factions with my players. Right? Okay, so your religious order, how long has it been since it's been established? Okay, 100 years. Why was it established at that time? What was the significant event at that time that called for such a religious order? Oh, yeah. so there, there was a war 100 years ago and they needed these fighters. But they needed independent fighters, not just their own army, but they needed holy warriors. So they called on holy warriors to come and gather here to be part of a religious order that is going to defend people and defend the land. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. And then I have, okay, there was a reason why 100 years ago. Now I can use that. Exactly. And it's going to be important because it's going to be part of the motivation. It's going to be part of the paladin's arc. Because, mm -hmm. right, okay, so you're part of an religious order that has been founded on the basis of that they need to protect the people from, an, from a war 400 years ago. So, dealing with that, right? Exactly. And just talking to your players, as you said, is just free world building for you if you leave them enough room to do it. Uh -huh. Because I can say for myself, um, one of my characters, I created a whole fucking countryside just because I was in the flow for yeah. my GM to use. Yeah. With some historical events and just the general landscape, the vibe, guilds, noble houses, city layout, everything, just because I felt like it. Mm -hmm. And you can achieve the same thing with your players. Just talk to them and leave them enough room to do their thing because mm -hmm. they will. Especially the more invested they are in their character, the more things they will turn out and the more things you can use. So prep as much as you like, but try to prep as little as possible during that mm -hmm. to leave enough wiggle room for yourself, for the players and for the story itself to evolve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Red, the thing is, if you're a player now uh, kind of intimidated that you have to write so much, Mm -hmm. Listen to our backstory episodes where we often say you don't have to write anything. Just have in mind that your character needs to come from somewhere, needs to have a trajectory to somewhere and needs to be a person. They're not just mm -hmm. a play tool. They are a person. 
I want your exactly. character to feel like a person that you are playing. And for that, I need some kind of history to them. Exactly. I don't want uh, much from you. We can all we can make that up on the fly by talking. We don't have you don't need to have anything written down. You don't need to spend effort on it. Just make them a person. The easiest way to do that for me is to write a backstory because then I have cornerstones for that character. But if you don't need to write a backstory, then you don't. Hmm. You still need to have a personality. And if you don't want to write anything, talk to your GM. Talk to them about, okay, are there some recent events that I can draw from? There was this recent invasion by demons. Okay, cool. I wanted to play a warlock. Could it be that some demons stayed behind, hidden among people, now handing out these pacts, more or less? Sure. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then the GM once again can ask, why did you take the pact, though? What made you take the pact? My wife was sick and I needed her to be saved. What does the demon want in return now that I serve him? cool right and then the dm who didn't even think about that demons stayed behind once again took something away from you even though you had nothing to begin with mm -hmm. and that is how your history should be created or can be created and somewhat should be created right you don't have to create all your history this way right we talked about that Niels yeah. writes down history beforehand and i do too but a lot of my history comes from the moment because that's what matters once again It comes in the moment improvised. But there's a problem mm. with improvising history on the spot for me. And that is that especially if I'm creating history that isn't inspired by my own personal history, I cannot make up something that really is good. Mm. The way it sounds, right? I am a white male living in Europe. Yeah. I cannot make up on the spot history for an East Asian inspired setting or an East Asian inspired character. Because in my opinion, I would just create caricatures from anime, for example. And that's not a representation of East Asia. Not exactly. in the slightest. It's a caricature by Japanese of something. Mm. It doesn't represent Japan and definitely doesn't represent East Asia. And I want to get this out You need to be mindful of what history you are creating when you draw from inspiration from the real world. Because when you don't have the standpoint of being part of that culture, history of those people, be so freaking mindful of what you're actually doing. Yeah, and make a conscious effort to actively think about the things that you yeah. are drawing inspiration from. Make a conscious what... effort to yeah. research those things. So in exactly. the moment, you can just, you can say something very broad and interpretable. And then after the game, make your effort, research stuff. Mm -hmm. right? It's not that you are not allowed at all to draw inspiration from other cultures that you're not part of. But you can't just think that you've watched an episode of anime before and know everything about Japan and can create a Japanese setting that way. You cannot. You shouldn't try. But if you spend your time and really delve into the culture and be open-minded to it, really try to embrace it, you're still not enough, <laughs> period. You, you're still not Japanese. But you have knowledge now that you can use. Mm -hmm. 
obviously, right again, don't caricature, don't appropriate, and be conscious of everything you do. Yeah, it's still fantasy. Yes, but that doesn't mean that it's a that it's a get out of jail free card for being an asshole to different cultures. Exactly. I I think it should be the exact opposite. You should if you in, get inspiration from other cultures that yeah. aren't your own. Talk to the people of that culture. Oh, 100. Yeah, yeah. Talk to them and get their opinion on things and mm -hmm. get their influence, get their inspiration. Get, gather as much from a perfect source for your setting. Yeah, if you want to like, on your setting, but just talk to exactly. these people, right? Because they have so much untold stories, untold inspiration, for example, or, or have so much knowledge about their own culture, about their mm -hmm. own people that deserves to be heard. You can listen to them and they deserve mm -hmm. to speak that. And you can read as much research papers as, as you want. But if you talk to a person of that culture, how more authentic can it get? The authenticity is just not matched by any research paper or yeah. research book or history book yeah. or whatever because they can't. Yeah, I think I think it's just about doing your due diligence. You exactly. It's not hard to talk to a person to ours about their customs, about their history. It's not hard. It's yeah. it's showing interest in them. Oh, and right, the same thing goes. You can talk about yourself with them as well. Then yeah, just make it a cultural exchange. Yeah. Just talk about cultures in general. and Be amazing. open, be mindful, learn from them. And then you can put in aspects, right? But even though you've talked to the person, even though you've got all the information that you can, that still doesn't mean that you're free to go, right? It's, it's once again, be conscious of it then when you actually mm -hmm. implement it into your game. And don't just talk to these people because you want them to be in, to, you want them to make sure your game world is better as well, because that also just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Somewhat? Yeah. Be mindful, be conscious, and do mm. your research, do your diligence, and then it's okay. You can create mm. a diverse world, even though you as one person do not have the diverse view in the beginning. But you can, through an effort, get that diverse view on your world and create an actual diverse world. Exactly. With rich history in every place. Yeah. And I think and that's exactly what I want to talk about next. Yeah. Worlds are big. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of different places with a lot of different histories. Mm -hmm. Your players start in one place. Obviously, they have to. Yeah. But the characters come from different places and have different history they bring with them. And as the group travels through different histories... You obviously see blending lines, blending borders, right? Because this region was part of a war and the next region had a recent whatever happened. Mm -hmm. But there's still a border and it doesn't, it's not on one side of this border there was a war and on the other side there was this event. It's a very fluid border between mm -hmm. those two places. And I think one thing that you should do when your players cross one of these borders to a different region is to showcase the difference. And how exactly. does one do that? <laughs> um, kind of depends on how you want to convey your information. Mm -hmm. But generally, I think through vibes, yeah. through how the people act and how they talk, mm -hmm. uh, just their mannerisms is a really yeah. good conveyor yeah. of these things. Mm -hmm. Because if you live uh, in a country or in a countryside where on one side of this river was a war, on the other side of this river, the after effects would still be felt. Yeah. By that war and make that shown, but not to that intensity that mm. the war ridden land has, but still to some degree, just a basically a blurred line of um, influence of that one particular world histori historical mm. world event that bleeds into other 
places. Most of the historical events aren't very localized with a clear-cut border. They have a radius to them with fading intensity of impact, basically. Mm-hmm. If you have a natural disaster in one part of the world, on the right on the opposite side of the world, it wouldn't be felt. But in the yeah. neighboring countries, in the neighboring villages, mm-hmm. definitely. But the further you get from the center point yeah. of that disaster, the less it is felt. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the impact of that historical event have less merit in, the, uh, in those yeah areas mm-hmm. and therefore the people would act differently in yeah. regards to that event but the thing is the players bring some of that history with them they they are exactly. basically like this drawing line that pierces part of this history into other regions right the players travel to a different village and there's nothing felt of a war here and the players come here and and talk about the war or talk about the destruction just a few villages over and the people are like oh yeah there was something yeah and right but it isn't felt. It, there is a certain disparity all of a sudden because your players have been influenced by the influence of the history of this mm-hmm. place and bring that to a different place. And this is exactly how, for example, also information of historical events travels. And that's really mm-hmm. important for me, actually, because if my players are in a village... What I like to do is, I've talked about this before, that I like to hand out newspaper articles to my players because they're a very Mm -hmm. easy way to get information to the people for a country, for example. So they would do it. But also it's very good information for me to give my players info on the world that they are in that actually can be somewhat influential, shows impact that my players had on the world and also gives my players some interesting tidbits because i'm going to be honest even though i often say that you don't need to do this don't need to do that because it doesn't matter in play these little details that do not matter sometimes are very fun and they're very cool and they do actually matter so have those little tidbits have the have the one line of information that there is currently a new election for the new archmage of the wizard country on the other continent going on because Mm. Just like in this real world, when you put up a newspaper or start reading the internet, you get information that you that doesn't tangent you at all exactly. from different places. Like, for example, there was, um, I don't know, there was a meteor that hit South Texas recently. I don't fucking care. I live on the other side of the planet. Yeah. It didn't have any destructive force as, lo- as far as I know. I don't fucking care. Mm. But I get that information because information travels. Exactly, And that's why I think that even though you shouldn't focus on this history, little tidbits can do a lot for you. Yeah, just because something doesn't have this big of an impact for the world building of the current location your campaign is playing at, doesn't mean this little bit of world building can't be beneficial to the play itself. Yeah, because it shows that the world is bigger than the players. It shows that the world is bigger than this location. It's not just this location that exists. It's everything exists at the same time. Yeah, and the world is living, moving, a breathing yeah. thing yeah. that is constantly evolving through the things that happened on this yeah. on this plane. Yeah. And yeah, it just gives some, even just can spark some insane, amazing roleplay elements just because they heard a tidbit of information from the other side of the country that doesn't affect them at all, but they still talked about it. I had this happen once. I talked about some sort of major sporting wizarding event mm. or the town cry talked about that, something like this. And my party just talked Two hours about that, how amazing it would be to be yeah. there, but why would we be there? It's complete nonsense and blah, blah, blah. They just discussed for two hours straight about this wizarding sporting event. And I just laid back, enjoyed the show, 
and let it happen. Just because mm -hmm. of a little bit of tidbit information that I had just floating in my brain. Put it in there, boom. Mm -hmm. Just because something doesn't ha impact the story itself can still impact the game that you're playing at hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, one last thing that I want to talk to you about okay. is um, the magnitude of history oh, okay. that yeah. you should create beforehand. It's basically a loop mm -hmm. back to the beginning a bit. Yeah. Um, when you start to create your history, how do you usually, or uh, what kind of magnitude does your uh, do your historical events have that you prepare for the first or two se first one or two sessions? So most of the time, actually, I kind of was sad that you didn't ask me this question back that of how much history I create because I don't think I actually write down any notes about history. Mm -hmm. I have some ideas in my head, and as soon as my players ask, they form into actual things I say, and then okay. I write them down because then then my players know them, and now I need to know them at, in five sessions as well because they will remember, and then I won't, and that would be bad. But yeah. for example, the snake matriarchs only happened because my players investigated someone entering a, an ancient an ancient dark temple that had snakes in him mm. and i was like okay how does that actually connect to something how can i make a how can i make a story arc out of this and uh, but i do obviously still world build and create general history but not necessarily history that is necessarily important to the act we play because I don't mm -hmm. know where my players are going. I don't want to create something that forces them into a direction at, at the beginning, especially. But I still create obviously the world around them. So what I do is I create history on all kinds of levels. Okay. I, yeah. I try to do I, like I try to do something that is, for example, for the starting town. One historical fact for the starting town. Because I need to know a bit about the starting town. I need to know I need to have some kind of inspiration I can draw from. This, mm -hmm. for example, this is the last town before the border. So it's a so it's probably a town with a, a rather big inn because a lot of merchants come through here and they would need places to sleep. Mm -hmm. Even though it's just a village, it's pretty prosperous because a lot of people come through. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then I have something for the general region this village is in. For example, this is a mountain range. And in this mountain range, there was a time where a lot of where a lot of trolls lived here. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So there will be trolls in the region and there will be maybe even ancient ruins by trolls and something like that. Then I have something that affects the really bigger regions it's in. That's talking about not just the country necessarily, but the bordering countries as well, right? So one is the village, one is the geographic location of this village and what the history of that is. And then the bigger landscape of everything around it. And then I also have... One continental thing, for example, there was a war a long time ago between this big country in the north and this big country in the south. And when both armies retreated, all these new countries formed up here. And then I also have some kind of history on a global level. Okay, I like that. I, I have magnitudes of every scale because... That gives me, on every scale, I can improvise something. And I know mm. that the global scale things, for example, do not come into play necessarily mm. that often. But for example, my global scale for my world, Min, is the gods didn't create this place. The gods, the demons, the fae, the beasts, the um, illustrious beasts and stuff like that. And basically all these extraplanar beings created this world together as a playground. And now they all retreated, but each of them has a bridge to this world. Mm, and there's a okay. certain region yep. in this world where the influence of that other extraplanar realm is felt most. Mm -hmm. That is the global history, for example. That, that yeah. is the one global history fact. 
and I have magnitudes I like for every scale. Uh, I have for every scale of magnitude, I have some facts because, mm -hmm. right, then I have something that influences not just the region, but could influence the entire world, how every single person in this world views the world. Yeah, I like that. But every single fact is somewhat important to the first few sessions of play, if I make it, because otherwise I wouldn't need it to make, or I wouldn't necessarily spend time thinking about it. Mm. With that, I don't have anything else to talk about. Mm. I have nothing anymore. I have no questions for you. Okay, and then... Thank you for listening. Thank See you. you on the next one. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Double DM. It appears you liked this one. What we had to say and our advice helped you. Why not show us how we helped you in a rating? Or even write a review detailing us how we helped. You can do this on the platform that you are listening on right now. It's just a few clicks, doesn't take long, and helps us out. It gets us out there and our advice into more ears of more people. Thanks again for listening and joining us on this amazing journey. Have a great day and see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Do you know that when 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 you asked um what episode are we recording today and I then messaged you with you decide I I thought about this TikTok this TikTok meme where one of them goes like go to sleep why are you awake <laughs> please forfeit this game <laughs> just like open platinum promos open mid <laughs> There's something else I can open. Of course. <laughs> hey guys, did you know that it turns? <coughs> Your t-shirt says King Home. <laughs> King Home, yes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I looked at your I looked at your shirt and, and and I don't know if you know that TikTok but but there's this um live live look at that we work we do work <laughs> three two one let's go let's go let's go